fifi fu fu food. How now, brown cow? Yes, get all your vocal exercises in now for for we will not have time once the episode begins. Oh, Unique New York. Unique New York. Oh, I should say it's quite unique, uh, if you know what I mean. Oh, peasantry. I never go that far south. You know what I like about... I'd like to... Sorry, Kelward, go ahead. Uh, of course. I'd, I'd like to announce that if our voices sound a bit different than they sounded last year, it's because we've been spending quite some time yelling at people to take their masks off, and also we had the Rona. I say, I do remember when we all marched around that Target Supercenter saying, take your masks off and be free. Enjoy freedom. We all did not, we actually do not know if we had COVID or not, for we never got tested, but I believe we had what you call COVID-19 sickness. So wait, you said we didn't know if we had, you don't, we were unsure if we had COVID, but we did have COVID-19 sickness. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I... The symptoms, my boy, the symptoms. I could not smell my caviar. I could not taste my my caviar. <laughs> Two examples of rich guy food. My quail eggs were 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 simply regular eggs to my taste buds. I say, you know what I like about us is we're the opposite of three men in their twenties living in Milwaukee doing a podcast about spoofs. If there's one thing that's the opposite of that, it's us three. Indeed. Yes, we're here in Upper Connecticut, and and we have many glorious mansions. Ah, yes, we we next to the Gilmore family, of course. My name, my nearby neighbors. I love those girls. <laughs> That's right. That's always whenever you, whenever you think of a, a an example of of the lavish lifestyle of affluence. That's the reference you reach for every time, is the Gilmore Girls, and that is what shows that you are a man of high class. Yes, Richard Gilmore with his golfing club and his and his sweater wearing, and, and of course, Emily and her parties. Who doesn't love Emily's parties, of course? Quite famous. How many non-fungible tokens do, do we own between the three of us now? Oh, far too many to count, Scott. Far too many, Scott Wood. Hi. What's your favorite non-fungible you have in your collection of high, fine art? Well, of course, mine is that that gif of 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 um um, um of LeBron James dunking a basketball. <laughs> I own it now. <laughs> yes, tis your property. What about you? Mine is of young Bartholomew Simpson on a skateboard. Uh, and he's rotating from left to right on said skating board. And it's worth $25,000. Whoa, mm, peasant, peasant meals, peasant meals is what I call that. Oh, that's weird. Peasant meals, that's what it can afford. Yeah, I don't think those words go together, but regardless, uh, Kelward, what is your favorite non-fungi? Oh, I've purchased Hannibal Burris's stand-up. Oh, of course. All, all of it? All of it. Every last piece. I bought the rights to I all say. the Beatles songs as non-fungibles. <laughs> <laughs> From the estate of Michael yeah, Jackson? Yeah, when I raised my card in the uh, auction, I said, I will pay one peasant meal. <laughs> and they knew that meant $20,000, of course. Yeah, they're like, ah, yes, that normal phrase we all use. Hey, 
Shall we get to the reason that we are here doing this audio recording? Welcome to Cinema Concertos and Items of Curiosity. A digital media recording regarding the finer things. Thank you. Calward was busy sipping his chartreuse. My kombucha-flavored chartreuse. <laughs> kombucha-flavored? <laughs> yes, I can't stand to drink the actual kombucha. I just like the flavor. The bitter tang. I say, I, I can't remember. Has it been one year since we have recorded our podding cast? Or is it we've recorded it every week and I just can't remember the last 51 weeks of... Well, of course, the week that we recorded this episode, of course, COVID-19 happened. And since we have been contracting and and healing and then contracting and then healing that virus over and over again, we have not recorded in one full calendar year. My, my, how I've missed this. We're also busy men, you know? It is true. I keep going back and forth between the Target and the hospitals, so that's why I'm busy. Have to spend a lot of our time checking the markets, watching the stocks go up, down. This dang... The game stops. Uh, uh, That makes me mad. That's for a different podcast. For a different podcast. Kelwood, were you shorting some of those game-stopping stocks? I was shorting all of them. Oh, over a hundred percent of them I shorted. Oh my lord! And now I owe fortune. billions of dollars, which oh, is no. pennies to me. But of it's the principle, my Where boy. Where do you keep it all? It's highly inconvenient. Yes, it's uh. That's the problem I have. I'm just frustrated by these dang, these lower level losers who think they can just spend their free stimulus checks on whatever they want. Oh, Speaking of disgusting. these lower-level losers, this week we are reco- reviewing, of course, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, a 1939 American co- political comedy drama film directed by Frank Capra, starring Gene Arthur and James Stewart. The film is about a newly appointed United States senator who fights against a good and just political system. The film is based on the Lewis R. Foster story, The Gentleman from Montana, and was controversial upon release, despite making Stewart a massive star. The film is loosely based on the life of Montana U.S. Senator Burton Wheeler, who underwent a similar experience investigating the William Harding administration. Wheeler was a senator for 24 years and had failed campaigns running for vice president in 1924 on the progressive party's ticket. He was an ardent New Deal Democrat until 1937 when he broke ranks with that scoundrel Franklin Roosevelt as he stood against Roosevelt's packing of the Supreme Court. My voice, my I sound like the other senator in this movie right now, I realize. Yes, as you always do. <laughs> yes, 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 of course, of course. We come from a similar wealthy background. Uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is considered one of the greatest pieces of cinema of all time, nominated for 11 Academy Awards. The film has been remade and... As we learned in last year's episode, our, our, our most recent episode of the term parodying, this film has been parodied many times. Gentlemen, 
What were your thoughts on Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? I like how you said parodied as though it was a new word to your ears, which uh, since our last episode, we just learned what spoof means, I think, or... Are we yes? And also, deal. You didn't I, know what the word deal <laughs> meant. Deal was new to me Which as well. I don't. You think you'd think, you'd think that, that somebody one. who deals in money, who's someone who who uh, is in the business world, might know what that word means. But anyways, this movie was uh, someone decided to make a movie about the most annoying person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean that uh, as myself, uh, Scottington, uh, Percival Esquire the Third, but also um, I have a feeling that uh, the opposite of me, as we said, a person in their twenties living in Milwaukee with a spoof podcast, would, would agree that this character, <laughs> I Scottington, don't agree with his his politics uh, whatsoever. Of course, but politics aside. This guy is just a simpering, annoying doofus. <laughs> I found him quite charming, despite his I feel politics. Like I found him to be most entertaining. Part of the problem was that the movie, of course, wanted you to think he was charming, and that made me even more annoyed. <laughs> well, I did not expect this take on the podcast. And then, on Whoa. top of all of this, he's trying to disrupt our perfectly good... Uh, he's all this wonderful gridlock we have. He's trying to fuck, or fuck with it. What the hell? I hated him from the start. I thought the movie itself was, of course, a parody of politics. There is no chance that a man of Mr. Smith's stature would ever climb ranks in the Senate. And, of course, the most uh, comedic-filled scene in the movie... When the senators, or I'm sorry, when the governor's children were shouting, Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith, take him to Washington. <laughs> Quite charming. That was go the most there. charming scene in the movie. He, he sh you should go, Mr. Smith, to Washington, of course. <laughs> go him now. Uh, why wasn't the girlfriend just make her the senator? She would be way better. She's a woman, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> what am she I saying? Of course, that oh, it made me so furious watching a, a senator be a senator manipulate being manipulated by by his his press secretary. I think was her position. It was a little unclear. She worked for the press, but she was somehow always telling him what to do in terms of policy, and that to me screamed of controversy <laughs> and and bureaucracy and all these other all these other things that he should not have been allowed to do. Yeah, he he wouldn't have been able to do anything if it wasn't for her, which is what was supposed to happen i wish this movie had just been 30 minutes long and and it's uh his press secretary just uh of course knows her place and doesn't uh speak up at all and then he just votes how the powerful senators want him to vote like he should of course they get to build their wonderful business dam and then the movie ends in 45 minutes what was their scheme with this dam how is this dam helping i didn't I understand i never at any point understood why the dam was bad other than that the character who wanted the dam to be built <laughs> would like look from side to side occasionally <laughs> and just seem generally menacing and I'm like okay damn bad I get that just from movie language 
he seemed the most likable person in the film to me. He's just a, a good businessman trying to generate business for his folk, for his people, for his state, for his country. Using taxpayer dollars, of course. Yeah, like everyone should. Standard business. <laughs> Meeting adjourned. Ugh, this Mr. Smith character, he's, he seemed to be just a, a, a fly in the ointment, a, 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 a regular shitster, they like to say, a, 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 a young man who thinks he can step up and change how the entire operation works. I, just, I feel like just, it in the that. first draft of this script, every single line they wrote for Mr. Smith started with jeepers, comma. And they kept most of that yeah. in. <laughs> well, golly. Yeah, he did a lot of uh, jeepers, a lot of golly, a lot of stuttering that they kept in as well. Yeah, such bad acting. Everybody knows you know <laughs> people don't stutter. <laughs> Certainly not I. Since we've learned all about spoof movies in the last year, I'm, I wanted to note how much this is absolutely a spoof film. It's a spoof of government, cinema, and Citizen Kane, of course, because that too was in black and white and featured a male and female character speaking. <laughs> this has been such a quality spoof film. What? Ah, just excellent spoof. Oh, this is something time. you planned ahead of time. To speaking of shitsters. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I. This came from the top of my my cranium, of course. So you're saying that this this movie is a spoof, which is something that you just learned about yes a year ago i learned all about spoofs and of course this is clearly How many movies have you seen because because also i think we uh previously stated that we have all seen of course every single one of i can't remember his name of course now but uh orson wells of course yes 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 well i've seen all 15 of orson wells films and Mr. Smith goes to Washington making for 16 <laughs> pictures I have seen. But you don't think that Orson Welles' other movies are a spoof of Citizen Kane, even though those are also in black and white and feature a man and woman speaking. If I went back and watched those pictures now, now knowing what a spoof film is, I think I might consider them a spoof, of course. Hmm. Do you don't think that perhaps this could be a send-up, like an homage, rather than I, a spoof? It seemed more straight spoof. Just just doing the thing that Citizen Kane is doing, but with a joke what if a attached movie to it, and the joke being... in color and featured a man and woman talking? Oh. Would you say, then, that it's a modern oh. retelling of Citizen Kane? <laughs> ah, it might be a remake of one of those famous remakes. <laughs> It had different actors in it, after all. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time critiquing this movie as me, myself, Scottington, Fitzgerald, <laughs> Percival the 19th. I agreed. And also... I feel like, and I'm just pulling this name out of my ass, Scott Carey would have a lot easier time talking about this movie but i with my perspective on the world i'm having a hard other than just saying main character bad kelward what do you have to say well i'd like to start by saying that i saved quite a lot of money by watching this movie on the very uh fantastic archive.org <laughs> oh, well, the greatest of 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 of, of 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 public domain works are available A there. Fantastic collection of public domain works that I'm surprised they're not profiting off of. You used a public utility? 
I didn't see, and I plan on uh, petitioning against it. My, my, oh, in very the very well. near future. Very as research, I see. I was going as to say research. I use this. I was about to kick you off the show. Next, you'll be using a <laughs> city bus. <laughs> now, I, I will say, while watching the film, I couldn't help but notice the uh, time the time bar at the bottom. The 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 the, the timeline of the film. Was, it was two hours long. Ugh, so short. Yeah. So towards the, the end. What a rip off. Towards the end, I had a bit of anxiety over this because it felt like they needed more time to wrap oh, it up. Oh, my, my, my. That was one of the <laughs> most ended abrupt ended quite endings abruptly. To, to a film I've ever <laughs> seen. Do you mean the senator at his lowest point in the movie? Normally, pre-climax this happens. Suddenly, the climax and resolution <laughs> happen in two minutes. The the climax of the film and resolution and credits begin in a sixty-second span. <laughs> there were no credits. None. My head it was just exploded. The end. That was what panicked me the most. I was like, this movie surely has. Four, five, six minutes of credits. It reminded me of. None. It sort of reminded Zero. me of. And again, I'm just pulling this name out of a hat. I don't know why I'm saying this. If someone named Kelly Danen were to recap a movie where they spend <laughs> a disproportionate <laughs> amount of time setting up like one specific scene, and then the last like act and a half of the movie they condense into like two sentences. This movie also, to your point has the first... Tw- it takes its time. We don't meet Mr. Smith until 30 minutes and into then, the picture. And then this movie once makes we a meet meal him, out and of then it. He's, and then there's like another 20-minute stretch where he doesn't come back after that. The movie takes quite a bit of time to explain how Uncle Ben dies. And then... <laughs> <laughs> also yes, the, the maker of that peasant rice. That's correct. Why the doctor, whose last name is actually strange, has broken hands and needs them fixed. It takes a lot oh, no. of time to just go over these. And Bruce Wayne. Yes. He's an orphan. <laughs> His parents. They've I perished. I, none of these references are. I assume these are references to something else, but I have no Bruce idea. Bruce Wayne, what you mean. should care about because his parents were of an upstanding class. Yes, such I as was good ours. friends with Master, Master Wayne. I, I was at the opera that night. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the box seats, of course. They were. True, I saw them. I saw. In the, in the I spoke to them in the lobby that very night, and now you tell me they're dead? What is to become of young Master Wayne? Are you, are you, <laughs> are you speaking of Martha and uh, her husband, Wayne? Wayne Wayne. <laughs> Wayne we used to call right. him Old of Wayne, Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> I say, do you guys, I don't have my camera on, but I should tell you that my nose is quite long, and I have a top hat and a monocle, uh, and I'm sort of short and round in stature. Oswald Cobblepot? eating fish? <laughs> that's, that's my other name, yes. Oh, my lord. The Great Penguin of Crime? No, no, What? <laughs> I think it's time to rate the film, gentlemen. I think we have we have exhausted our talking points. I think so. Other people may have an easier time talking about the nuances of this film, but to it's- maintain a sophisticated perspective such as mine and give genuine critique to this movie is quite a task indeed. 
Indeed, I agree. I, I would concur. say if I were hosting a weekly podcast about movies, I think it would be easier to talk about good films every week, potentially. <laughs> Who would want to do something silly <laughs> sounds, like that? Oh, that sounds so <laughs> stupid, though. Who would do that to themselves? So masochistic. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> they have clubs for that in LA. And so and so complicated. Not like what we do, simple. One a year. <laughs> Low <laughs> obligation, that's for sure. Oh, as a movie, zero out of ten. It was about an annoying man doing something bad for the society. It's called trickle down, dipshit. <laughs> Not trickle up. Agreed. Yeah. Zero out of ten. No color. Uh, no credits. I wanted to see... Which I do like, actually. That damn get built. This is supposed to be a business-doing movie. What a <laughs> rip-off. And as a spoof, I mean, uh, uh, as a spoof of what should happen in the world, 10 out of 10. <laughs> as a spoof? 10 out of 10. I've already explained myself. It's perfect spoof of Citizen Kane, of course. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> correct, yes. <laughs> As a movie, 10 out of 10. My actual rating. Just an excellent picture, great acting, great visual storytelling. Truly an accomplishment and stands the test of time, I would say. Oh, what the hell? But didn't... But he stood up to big government, which I, we... I, I rewrite the endings of films in my head sometimes, and I just imagine ah. at the end of the film, it cuts off when they're like, ah, he's out or of maybe, here, no more You know what it is? Okay, if we're rating this movie like Sallow, then yes, 10 out of 10, because I was uncomfortable and horrified every moment of this film. <laughs> As a movie, I'd give it actually a 1 out of 10. I'm remembering, I'm recalling, one of the more believable parts where Senator uh, Payne, he... Uh, explains to Mr. Smith that he won't have any part of ousting him as a senator. And then, on the floor, on the Senate floor, tells him <laughs> to fuck off, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and claims that he's a fraudulent senator who uh, basically frames him on the Senate floor, and I appreciate that. That's realistic as hell. Yeah, that was the only cool part. That was, was the a cool man part of the movie. When he did that, he his privilege and 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 uh, social capital to fuck an innocent person over. Yes, that rocked. Phenomenal part. And when, when he turned around and didn't look at Mr. Smith's reaction and went into slow motion, I quite appreciated that little piece of cinematography. Yeah. As a spoof... And then the Senate exploded behind him while he put on sunglasses. Indeed. As a spoof, 10 out of 10... Exactly what I would expect to not happen in U.S. <laughs> politics. Scott? Yes? Do you have a concerto for us this week? I do, gentlemen. Let me pull up my parchment. <clears throat> Today's concerto is was composed by a man by the name of Joseph Hayden. In 1791, it is called the Surprise Symphony, and we shall be listening to Movement 2. Hayden's music contains many jokes, and the Surprise <laughs> Symphony includes probably the most famous of all, a sudden fortissimo chord at the end of the otherwise piano opening theme. 
in the variation form, second movement. The music then returns to its original quiet dynamic as if nothing has happened. <laughs> and the ensuing variations do not repeat the joke. Oh, most coy. <laughs> so, with this in mind, shall we listen to the second movement of Hayden's Surprise Symphony? The myth goes that Hayden wrote this song as a way to play a prank on anyone who might be sleeping at the symphony's premiere. Imagine such a preposterous proposition. In Hayden's old age, his biographer, George August Greisinger, asked him whether he wrote this quote-unquote surprise to awaken the audience. This was Hayden's reply. No. But <laughs> <laughs> he goes on. <laughs> but I was interested in surprising the public with something new and making it a brilliant debut so that my student, Playel, who was at the time engaged by an orchestra in London in 1792 and those concert and whose concerts had opened a week before mine. I hoped that he should not outdo me. The first allegro of my symphony had already been met with countless bravos, but the enthusiasm reached its peak at the andante with the drum stroke. Encore, encore sounded in every throat, and Playel himself complimented me on my idea. So basically, he was a petty, a petty <laughs> little guy who wanted to uh, outdo his student, and he did this little surprise gimmick to make every... Encore, encore, every throat. I mean, you can't argue with those results, baby. What a concerto you have presented this week, and I might add... It's a novel concerto. This might have worked if this podcast were about novelty songs, you might say, even. But it isn't. <laughs> so, as usual, of course, we have our quizzing section. Since this was a surprising symphony, I went on to uh, what they call the internet and went on g-o-o-g-l-e dot com and typed in ten surprising facts and found many many facts of interest and I shall quiz you upon them now. Gentlemen, here we go. It's multiple choice. Uh, the first one is from an article entitled Ten Surprising Facts About Kidney Stones. How many types of kidney stones are there? A, 5, B, 3, C, 4, or D, 11? B, 3. Incorrect. Kelly, care to venture a guess? A, 5. There's four different types of kidney stones. Calcium <sighs> stones, struvite <sighs> stones, uric acid stones, and of course, cysteine stones. At about... Oh, I should know that. I've had all four. 80% of the stones are calcium-type stones. It's the most common. And, gentlemen, tell me this. Kidney stones occur most frequently in what type of climates? Climates. 
Hot climates or cold climates? Cold climates. Cold? It is hot hot climates. You both are wrong. Uh, Ten surprising facts about coral reefs. Oh, oh, the reason... Hot weather leads to dehydration, dear fellows. Oh, of course. I would never know this. For I live in Upper Connecticut where it's cold most of the year. <laughs> Are you okay? It's, I love the law. I love the law. He's floating away. Goodbye. Uh, ten surprising facts about coral reefs. Coral is a type of A, plant, B, rock, C, animal, or D, fungus. Ooh. See an any mule. Plant. Ding. A ringy ding ding. Kellward, you have gotten it correct. I would like to win this game. This one might be difficult for us since we nary touch these items. Ten surprising facts about everyday household objects. This is, I'm sure our servants and butlers would nail this segment. <laughs> Keys didn't always fit in your pocket. In fact, in biblical times, they could be A, one foot, B, 15 feet, C, five feet long, or D, three feet. I will go with D, of course. Dingy ding, <laughs> ring ding dong. <laughs> Martin, you have cinched it, baby. I have won the quiz. That's it's hold on. I believe it's tied. <laughs> There's more questions to go I yet. I win. Uh, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed, and the key of the house of David will lay upon his shoulder. The reason that was in the Bible was because keys used to be long enough that you'd like throw them over your shoulder. Plates in Europe used to be made <laughs> out of what material? A. Skin. B. Bread. C. Cheese or D lead. D lead. Skin. Final answer, Regis. Rongo and Rongo. They used to be made. Pick the normal one. Bread. Dipshits. It's bread. <laughs> yeah. No points. If you have ever slurped clam chowder out of a bread bowl, then you'll appreciate the medieval treacher. These plates, used throughout Europe and the United Kingdom, were cut from large round loaves of whole wheat bread and were aged for four days, then sliced into two three-inch rounds. Partygoers would rarely... Oh, this is boring. Okay. Ten surprising <laughs> facts about food court restaurants. Again, how would we know anything about this? Oh, if I were someone else, say a 30-year-old who has a spoof <laughs> podcast in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I would be thrilled about this. I have a nephew but you're who's not. into this sort of thing. <laughs> oh, your rich nephew. <laughs> oh no, he's most poor. He's out of my will. Yes, you don't need to help him. You, he's fine on his own. Make your own way, young man. You say <laughs> bootstraps pull them up, up. <laughs> <laughs> By your uh, Chick Fil A was a food court exclusive restaurant until what year? Nineteen eighty nine, the millennial two thousand. Uh, 1994 or 311 BC? <laughs> the 2000. 1994. Well, that 30-year-old you're thinking of, Martin, must have inspired you for 1994 is the year Chick-fil-A left food courts. Arby's boasts the world's largest curly fry. How long was this beast of a curly... 
28 inches, 31 inches, 49 inches, or 15 feet long? Uh, 49 inches. I will go with the length of something else I know of. 15 feet long. Ha ha ha. Ha 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 It's 28 inches. Rongo, Rongo. This is the last one, fellows. And it's a true or false question. True or false? 62... Oh, and this is from 10 surprising facts about hearing loss. Oh, germane to a conversation that uh, was had off mic by different people. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) True or false? 62% of people with hearing loss are above the age of 65. Uh... False, I will say. True. You'd think it would be true, but Martin, you got it, baby. It's, you'd be surprised, but because of like modern times, like uh, earbuds and concerts and stuff like that, uh, 62% of people with hearing loss are below the age of 65. Imagine that. Quite germane to that conversation that the three of us definitely did not have off mic earlier today. Gentlemen, this concludes my concerto segment. I thank you for your time and patience. Bravo. 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 Marty? Martin? (laughs) Do you have a novelty or an item of curiosity for us to talk about? Novelty? Who do you think we are, Mr. Smith? Sorry, I was distracted by my young poor nephew's ice cream treat (laughs) that said novelty on the side. Ah. Gentlemen, I was distracted I... by uh, uh, this copy of Gone with the Wind and this cup of Earl Grey. Gentlemen, I have an item of curiosity this week, and I shall go and retrieve it for you. Step, 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 step. Open door. Pull in product. That's right. This week's item of curiosity is the television. Television, sometimes shortened to... Uh-huh. I'm explaining what it is. Don't worry. I'll teach you all about it. Television, sometimes shortened to telly or telly, is a telecommunication... Well, hold on a second. (laughs) You just said the same thing twice in a row. Ah, my good man. They are spelled T-E-L-E or T-E-L-L-Y. Oh, and I, along with the listeners, was just supposed to pick that up from the way you said it. (laughs) I pronounced My mistake. I pronounced the telly with a hard E and the telly... With a softer E to dis- uh, differentiate slight variations a in the vowels. my ears failed to pick up. That's all right. The television is a telecommunication medium used for transmitting moving images in monochrome, black and white, or in color, and in two or three dimensions and sound. The term can refer to a television set, a television show, or the medium of television transmission. Television is a mass medium for advertising, entertainment, news, and sports. I discovered this television the first few months of Quar this year, as the poor say, and discovered a few television programs that I enjoyed, such as Bonanza and Gun Smoke and The Bold and the Beautiful and 60 Minutes and Young Sheldon. <laughs> I say, this Young Sheldon sounds most interesting. 
What does this television show consist of? It's about a bright young man who is going to grow into quite the scientist and engineer in the future. Sounds quite serious and without anything like a catchphrase. Perhaps they should make a follow-up to that show named Old Sheldon. Hmm? (laughs) Mmm, I have suggested it post-haste. Well... This thing is crazy. It sounds like only uh, poor idiots would ever have any interest in using this. <laughs> I, I'm used to reading my Encyclopedia Britannica usually for entertainment, but I suppose this television can suffice in, in case I have read all of my encyclopedias already. Well, I was talking about my Gone with the Wind and Earl Grey. I've got my novel and a tea right here, but this... TV is a novelty to me. <laughs> well, gentlemen, this week I thought I would add a little quiz segment to our item of curiosity presentation. And so I, too, searched long and hard. And I went to Google.com and I Oh, typed that's how you in, pronounce that. Yes. I typed in the... the uh, I typed in... Best television shows of all time. And I found this website called Ranker.com. And I am looking at the top 15 television shows of all time. I know this is my first time encountering this website, (laughs) but something just tells me I should be pissed off. Ah, yes, but but I, we are brand new to this, of course, which means we can do it again. Hooray! <laughs> again? <laughs> Despite you not knowing much about this television, I am looking for you to guess what shows are in the top 15. I will give you each seven guesses, and whoever gets the most will win this so television So we just set. did the premise of we've never heard of TV because we're so rich, and now we shall guess what the most famous... Shows on this thing we've never heard of is good luck. How hard could it be? I'll just say words then. Scotting, how hard could it be? Just say words, and I'm sure they've made popular television shows about. I shall roll my eyes back and go into some kind of a fugue state. (laughs) I feel like some of these shows might just be a series of letters for some reason. I suggest that Kellward shall go first. Mash. Ah, let us see if this mash. Is on the list. It is not in the top 15, unfortunately. I shall say, I know that the peasants below love to drink their spirits, and so I shall say what we say when we clink our chartreuse glasses together. Cheers. Not on the list. Oh. Surely they've I made I knew I was right to be infuriated. When- you may want to think after the date of... A 29-year-old's birth, potentially. Okay. Surely they've made a show regarding the creation of the universe. Hmm. Big Bang Theory. (laughs) Ah, I say. That sounds like quite the interesting program, but it is not in the top 15. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, for one, am quite lost. Ah, yes. In this Number 15. <laughs> hey. You guessed what? it. Oh, I wasn't. Gu- I mean, yes, I guessed it. Uh. <laughs> hmm, perhaps I was thinking too large with the Big Bang Theory. Maybe I should go a bit smaller. Uh, the subject matter being planet Earth? No. The, the, the planet we live on is not in the top 15. Wow. Well, this quiz is one of the... 
Stranger things I've ever encountered. No. Ah, that is not on the list, unfortunately, though. What's not on the list? Oh, <laughs> Four guesses left. Scott leads one to zero. I'm so angry, I might need to break bad. Ah, number one with a bullet. Kelward coming in with number one, tying things up. Well, I say, this quiz is so difficult that me and Kelward are a pair of mad men. Oh, a great guess. A great, potentially great show. Not in the top 15. <laughs> oh, mm, I'm just getting madder by the second. <laughs> uh, I think this is round five. I'll try perhaps the word for my favorite Tone of singing. Sopranos. Mm. No, number two. Kelloward comes in, taking the lead two to one. Hmm, interesting. I wouldn't assume that to be a television show, but rather a home box office show. <laughs> Do you guys want to grab three random chairs that we have laying around our estates and play musical chairs? I guess whatever chairs we grab, it would end up being a Game of Thrones. Number three on the list. <laughs> Scott ties things up. <laughs> Ah, yes. Two guesses left each. <laughs> uh, if, uh, I don't know if I'll be a survivor after this quiz is over. Oh, a swing and a miss from Kelward. Scott could take the lead. The IRS came to my door the other day thinking they could get my Argentinian bank statements. <laughs> uh, they asked me about it, but the, the, I was looking at the man at the door and clearly I could see the wire under his shirt. Mm, ooh, so close, but so far away as is not on the list. <laughs> oh. One correct guess will win this quiz. Perhaps a TV show about law and order. <laughs> No, Whoa. not good enough for the Ranker.com Top 15. See, yes, I think that I should do a guess right here. Oh, no, also not, <laughs> not, not in the list. Uh, so you tie for the first time in, in oh, Cinema Concertos disgusting. and Items of Curiosity. Absolutely I will give disgusting. you, how about this? For a tiebreaker, I will give you a, a, a hint for one of the options, and you, who the first person to ring in, will get it. Mash two. <laughs> this show had a podcast done about it years ago. Ah, I'm so glad that I never have to work a blue white collar job and go to the office. Oh, that wasn't the one I was hinting at, but sure, the <laughs> office is correct. Also. <laughs> The other options were... No oh, that's right. No one's ever done a podcast about The Office. My mistake. Not that I know of. The Twilight Zone, Friends, Looney Tunes. Seinfeld. This is what I was hinting at. Seinfeld. Of course. Sherlock, The Flintstones, South Park, The, Flintstones. the Bugs Bunny Show. But the Looney Tunes have two showings on here. <laughs> that some, some people seem to love both. Oh, I'm sorry, my intern stepped into the stick. Oh, get out of here. Poor, poor guy Larry, get out of here. I'm not doing it. House and the X-Files were the last two. Wow. House? Shouldn't it be mansion? Oh, is that going to do it? <laughs> I think that does it for this week. I, grow I want to go out on the veranda and sip absinthe and mint juleps and uh, be fanned. 
I am exhausted from speaking this way. That's what I'm saying, buddy. (laughs) Bye. What? (laughs) We really appreciate it. Thank you so, listener. Our gratitude we extend most humbly to thee. We'll see you in a year. This episode is brought to you by (laughs) (laughs) Stamps.com. An apron of a deepest... A deepest indigo. <laughs> this is brought to you by uh, uh, what's the what's the what's the mattress company guy? Purple. Casper. No, the my pillow guy. The my, my this is brought ah, to you by my pillow. My business associate, Mike Lindell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye bye.